Good evening, everyone. My name is Frank Allen, and welcome to the Cast and Wax Countdown to the final presidential debate. As you know, tonight is the final presidential debate between Mr. Jimmy Kovacs on the Republican ticket and Senator Randall Marsh on the Democratic ticket. I will be moderating the debate myself in less than an hour, so hopefully you are ready to settle in and enjoy the final presidential debate. With me here on our panel are a couple of experts. Uh, first up, Mr. Jordan D. White. Hello, Frank. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. And of course, next to him is Mr. Rory Sinjin. Yes, hello, yes. Thank you for having me as well. And finally, uh, Mr. Scapewhite will be joining us later via satellite. Uh, first up, uh, let's see. Now, uh, both of you, uh, do you have opinions on this uh, race so far? What are your positions? Do you do you side with one candidate over the other? You know, it's actually tricky, Frank. I got to say, I, I typically am a Democrat, you know, most of the time. Uh, but in this case, it's, you know, it's really it's really hard to, to make the call because while Senator Marsh is a good man and he has, you know, done a lot for our country in the years that he's been in the Senate, Jimmy's got, got a real uh, rhetoric to him, you know, he's got he's got a real optimistic, peppy attitude. Typically, I don't favor small government, so I'm you know, I'm, I got to say I'm leaning I'm leaning towards Senator Marsh in that respect. But but the fact that Jimmy is so gung ho and his his slogan of "Gosh, we really can change the country" is that what it is? Well, yeah, it's, it's something just like that. It's uh, "Gosh, gosh, we can change the country." I think. Yes, I mean that's it's really it's really optimistic, and it feels you know it feels like it gets right to the core of what America's all about. You know, we can change the country. We have that power. Okay, yeah, no, that's absolutely true, and that's that's what. Uh, I think that's why they amended the Constitution to have him run, because people were getting behind that message um, and setting aside for a moment the, the uh, President Smitty debacle. But uh, I, I do think that, yes, for the most part, that is his optimism and his gung-ho nature is what got him on the uh, Republican ticket. What, what about you, Rory? Do you believe that uh, Marsh is better than uh, Kovacs as well, or are you a Kovacs man? Well, I, I have to say, I, I think I'm, I'm actually against Jordan on this. I, I, I do think Senator Marsh is typically you know, a relatively uh, good senator. However... Uh, I don't see any reason that, that he should necessarily be the president. Uh, the president has to show leadership, and of course, while Jimmy is not the leader of the flashback, I think he has shown that he's got ideas for the leadership of our country and, you know, is ready to put in place new motivating action that can just take us to the next level, take us where we need to go to get further in our relationship with other nations and other worlds, of course, both uh, in outer space and in other realities. And I think that, you know, if, if anyone can solve the problem of the dying off of the unicorns, I think Jimmy Kovacs is the man. You know, Senator Marsh has been in the Senate, as, as we've said, he's been in the Senate for years, and the unicorns are still dying. You know, if he had this idea, you know, he claims to have an idea to get them going, to, to, to stop the death of the unicorns, but if he had this idea the whole time, why didn't he put it forward while he was a senator? Why save it for now? And if you've got the idea right now, wh why wait to being elected? Just just put forth the idea. So I've got to say, I'm definitely leaning towards Mr. Kovac. That's very interesting. Now, I mean, that's a good point about the unicorns, and everyone is, I believe, concerned with unicorns, but that is a good point. I mean, now, although at the same time, uh, Mr. Kovacs says he has ideas, but he hasn't put forward his ideas either. Well, yes, but at this point, he's not a civil servant. He's just a person with ideas who thinks that he can get things done. And when he's elected, he will put them into action. But that, but that begs the question, uh, wouldn't that be a kind of a social program? Wouldn't that be more government spending to, to enact something in protection of, of unicorns? Do, isn't that the kind of thing that typically, Jimmy would argue, is uh, the responsibility of the free market, the responsibility of the American people uh, to do privately to, to keep unicorns alive? Well, typically, yes, I, I suppose so. But some things overcome partisan lines and make you say, well, you know, this is something where we really need to take action now if we're going to protect the, the world as we know it. No, but I just, you know what, that's a good point. But what I want to say is that that's that's why I'm against Jimmy, I got to say, because Jimmy is a good guy and he does want to do what's right for everyone. I, I just don't think that he's right about how to go about it. I mean, if the government doesn't take action on unicorns, there will be no unicorns. We, we've already shown that the free market is not going to take care of that because the free market could have stepped in at any time. There's nothing restraining the 
free market um, other than government regulations. And there are no government regulations saying that we can't help the unicorns. If if all the unicorns die out, I mean, I don't even want to. I don't even want to think about what'll happen. You know, it, it, it's not it's not something that we are going to be able to cope with. So we need to take quick action now. And I think that Senator Marsh is is ready to, to take that action. And I, I understand what you're saying. Why didn't he take it while he was a senator? Well, as a senator, you know, you have to draw up these things. I mean, as a president, he'll be able to work with other senators and say, let's all come together. I am your leader. I'm not just a peer. I am here to lead. And I, the way that I would like to lead us is towards saving the unicorns and towards protections of that type. That's, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Uh, so we've heard from two people, of course, uh, uh, Jordan, who says he's he's leaning towards voting for Senator Marsh, and then uh, Rory, who I guess, um, well, if, if he was able to vote in America, he would vote for Jimmy Kovacs. Um, actually, uh, I'm sorry, Frank. Yes, what? Yeah. No, I am. I am an American citizen, so I, I am able to vote. You are? Yes, I am. I'm a naturalized citizen. I'm. I'm no longer uh, a British citizen. Oh, well then, okay. I thought we were getting kind of an outsider perspective. No, no, no. I'm an American all, all the way right now. Right now, you might change back. No, I'm just. I mean, at this point, this is what where I have come to. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Now we do want to get one more person's opinion on this. Uh, live via satellite, we have Mr. Scape White, who is coming to us from Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, Mr. White. Hello. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Thank you, thank you. Now, you're down in, in Florida, correct? Yes, that I am. Now, why are you down in Florida? That The debate's not in Florida. No, no, no. I just wanted to go on vacation, so I thought I would go down to Florida, see how things were. Oh, okay. So it has nothing to do with the election or the debate? No, no, no. But thanks for having me on anyway. Okay. And I kind of thought you were doing some sort of investigative report. No, no. Okay. All right. Well, uh, anyway, uh, what is your take on this? We've got Senator Marsh, of course, the Democratic candidate, and um, Jimmy Kovacs, youngest man to ever run for president on the Republican side. What are your thoughts? Do you have an opinion on who is more or less likely to be a good president? Uh, no, not really. I think that uh, neither one of them really makes much of a difference to me because uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a human. I mean, I guess I, I can't vote, right, because I'm not a citizen. I'm just a cat. And also... Uh, I don't really pay attention to yards or politics. So I think at this point, uh, if any of them offer moist food in this debate, they will probably get my vote, first of all. But second of all, um, if one of them will pet me a little, that would warm me up to voting for them if I was able to vote, which I'm not. And if one of them throws a mouse for me, well, that's pretty good too. Uh, moist food will trump all. Like if one of them pets me and throws a mouse, and the other one gives me moist food, <laughs> the moist food wins. But if one of them gives me moist food, and the other one gives me moist food and pets me, then I would say they were better. Well, up to, okay, okay, up to this point, have there been any offers of moist food from either party? Not up to this point, no. But I will keep you abreast of any uh, changes in the situation uh, throughout the night. Okay, it's good to know, it's good to know. Now, uh, we do have a number of special reports lined up uh, in the process of getting ready for this debate. As you know, uh, Jimmy Kovacs is the youngest person to ever run for president. So we turn now to Miss Hope Darling, who has done a report in tandem with her daughter, Pandora Darling, on young people's interest in the political situation in general. How do you get young people interested in a debate? At this point, of course, people under 18 don't have the right to vote, but are they still interested in politics, and is it good to get them interested in politics? If Jimmy Kovacs becomes president, will he want people who are underage to vote? I, I don't know. Perhaps one would think so, because he, at this point, can't even vote for himself. So, let's find out. Uh, we're going to turn it over to Hope Darling and Pandora Darling here with a report they call Like Mother.
Like Mother, Episode 9, Habeas Corpses, by Charles H. Berman. Robert Everett Gottlieb Kurtzman was a young boy who was not especially active, either in the community or out of it. The magnanimity, not to say eagerness, with which he had offered his classmates the honor and pleasure of his company, had ever been greeted with nothing but an assemblage of contemptuous stares uniformly unimpressed with such astonishing feats as his successful commitment to memory of the names of all 193 current national leaders, a hobby that, owing to the instability of certain governments, never ceased to provide amusement, and the fact that he was the proud author of the Internet's most commented-upon blog entry about Social Security for all of last May. And so he had retreated outside school hours, mainly to the welcoming confines of his room. He never thought in those days that he would have worked up the courage finally to kiss Pandora Darling. But even for Bobby, a man debilitated by several recent doses of mind-addling memory drugs, a fresh gunshot wound, and especially a paralyzing shyness, love conquers all. He overcame his timidity in time to kiss Pandora full on the lips, saving her from certain death at the hands of whomever had planted a bomb in the nearby air hangar. I, I, I can't talk about this, Bobby. How? Oh, well, if later you were more... How did you know the hangar was going to explode? Well, I didn't think your mother would react so well to hearing it, but... I guess I can tell you now that I know all about this conspiracy you've been talking about. It's all in Jason's tapes. He's really- Hold on. What kind of secret conspiracy is this if the man who argued for ten minutes that in a rational universe, angel food cake couldn't exist knows about it? Come on, Pandy. I got confused by the name. Anyway, you have to reach level 60 in Bolden in his program before you get to the conspiracy part. Not a lot of people manage that. It's because they're afraid of releasing their true political selves. Afraid of releasing their bank accounts? Exactly. The conspiracy's full of bankers. Of course, I had to research some of the details myself, but Jason discovered almost everything. It's it's all there once you get past the 405 cannot announce secret knowledge screen. Here, I transferred the tape into my laptop. Let me see if I can find the cast cassette. The what? The cast cassette. Je ne sais pas. What? I don't get it. I only take Latin. <laughs> Forget it, Bobby. Oh, okay. Well, I found the MP... And Bobby... Thanks for saving my life. And sorry about the gun. I'm glad- Oh, sure, Pandora. It was a dream come true. I mean, I mean, I guess I really, really wanted you to stay alive because- Bobby, just play your tape. Because all these failed governments need to realize is they're not failed because they're worthless. They're failed because they think of themselves as failures. You can't build an infrastructure if you're thinking, I'm a country that doesn't deserve a telephone or postal network. Because we're not worth it. You need to go out there and say, yes, I'm emboldened. Yes, I know my boundlessness. I've seen the problem, fix the problem. Now I'll move ahead. Just like everything else. See, fix, move ahead. See, fix, move ahead. And that's how the aliens work too. But in reverse. Move behind, break, blind. That's all they'll say. Move behind, break, blind. But they're powerful. They implant their enemies just like they implant their agents. If you try to escape, they won't stop at... Sally sells seashells by the seashore. Mrs. Darling! 
Sorry to keep you waiting, Potato. I ran into an old friend. We'd better get going. This is the sort of thing state agents usually like to investigate. I hope you two had a good time while I was... Mom! Oh, I know you don't appreciate it with mothers. Mom, I was going to say that the building you went into with Jason Britton just exploded. I know that, dear. That's why I told you to stay in the car, remember? I knew Cask would be following us, and I couldn't just leave all those agents standing around. My uncle has dozens of airstrips like that. Happily for Jason, he managed to take off before the explosion, and... You mean it was you who... Oh, my... God! Thank God! Where's he going? Antananarivo, Madagascar. I told him Cask was going to kidnap the Malagasy president there and replace him with an imposter, when in reality they're going to do it in Albany while he's still on his lecture tour. The naive crank believed me. Wait, they're killing the president of Madagascar? Of course they are. They couldn't destroy our beloved way of life and replace it with a vacant and nightmarish new world order while our current leaders were still in power, could they? Besides, it was announced. Look up today's Toronto Globe and Mail, the article about a proposed pay increase for the mayor, every third word with an even number of letters. If they succeed in taking him over, they'll have access to any diplomatic circle in the world and technically be able to make war on any country they want. Get out here, kids. We'll have to take Amtrak since all the flights will be grounded after an explosion like that. Excuse me, ma'am. I'm going to have to stop you all right there. I represent the Semitic Procrimination League. You were seen on C-SPAN recently in the company of Jason Ulysses Brandt, a notorious and incorrigible anti-Semite who uses aliens as an obvious code word for Jews. I hereby requisition any knowledge you may possess of his whereabouts. My card... Omar Chefs? Omar Chefs? He was waiting for us at the station? Mrs. Starling, you just knocked out my favorite blogger. Well, one of my favorite bloggers. But the point is, you just... Come on, we'll miss the train. Help me carry him. <clears throat> I told Mr. Bilderberger he shouldn't have had so much to drink this afternoon. I hope you remember your lessons on redirecting railroad tracks, Potato. Grudgingly assisted by Pandora's grudgingly encyclopedic knowledge of railroad sabotage, and now accompanied by an insensate Semitic procrimination activist, the four reached Albany just in time to attend the Malagasy Potentate's lecture. As Hope drags Shefts, now drugged and disarmed, into the large State University Auditorium early in an attempt to disguise him as a sleeping audience member, Pandora and Bobby encountered the one person they had perhaps least expected to see. Tabby? Pandy! Bobby! What are you doing here? Did you know I was coming? I mean, first you insist that I watch a G8 protest with you on C-SPAN, which, for your information, was as boring as I thought, even in person. Boring? We almost got- Quiet, Bobby! And now you come all the way to Albany just to hear a speech by the president of Madagascar? Well, I guess I've just been feeling lately more like it's important to be socially aware, you know? Like, it's kind of absurd to focus only on gossip and the petty concerns of our peer groups like busybodies when we could, like, have some understanding and influence on the world around us. You know what I mean? No! What are you talking about? You called me a hippie when you saw the summit! You never cared about Why don't you try reading some blogs, Bandy? They're a great way to stay informed. Blogs? You know those are only for introverted eggheads who can't... Oh, sorry, Bobby. That's okay, Pandy. I mean, I know you don't read mine, but I could tell you some of what it says. I mean... Maybe later, Bobby. Okay, great. There's this one great political blogger who calls himself Everett Gottlieb. His insights are amazing. He's just super cool, you know? Everett Gottlieb? 
But that's my internet! Tabitha Wentworth! How nice to see you. Sorry I've been across the room over there dealing with our friend Mr. Bilderberger. He's not feeling very well, unfortunately. What is this place? It's such a surprise to see you here. You must tell me how your mother is getting along. Oh, more to deal with. Sorry to leave you alone again, kids. Wait, Mrs. Darling, hold on a second. Could I talk to Mr. Sheps a second before you drug him again? I mean, he's definitely in my top 20. You were reading Bobby's website? Don't pretend you didn't know that was him. Unless you've forgotten the two weeks he spent trying to get us to take a poster for it. At least I wasn't seen on national television with him. C-SPAN is not national television. It's only watched by senators. And people who look like senators. And you. Sorry, Tabby. Either way, can't be good for your image. You're one to talk. Going all the way to Albany for the speech's political agitation through careful consideration club advertised in class is not really the best way to avoid any connection with him. Admit it, Tabby. You go all the way to Albany to where you know he's going to be. You think you can impress him by watching the G8 Summit and telling him you read his blog. You're completely stuck on him. (laughs) Okay, Pandy, but you can't tell a soul. The thing is, Tabby... I'm not entirely sure at the moment whether he's available. Hey! Kids! Airplane lady! What's happening? Mr. Brandt, I explicitly told you you were needed to help fight the conspiracy in Madagascar. I hope you know you've let down a lot- Jason Brandt! I know someone who loves your tapes! Wicked teeny bop girl! Hey, Mom! I hope you didn't (laughs) think I believed that Madagascar joke. I totally grok this cabal, lady. I know it's aliens behind it. Now, I gotta be here to see it, fix it, move beyond it. Just like in my tapes. Aliens have nothing on emboldened humans. (sighs) Mr. Brandt, I can see humoring you is of no avail. This conspiracy has nothing to do with extraterrestrials of any kind. Why don't you leave the business of defeating it to qualified experts and just... Of course it's aliens! I've seen the autopsy bodies. They've got a whole collection at the Habeas Project. Look, I've even got some of the implants. Shh! Put those away! There are people all over. So that's what the Habeas Project does? Habeas Corpus. I have the body. Latin. I only take French. (laughs) Hold on. Mr. Brandt, if they're supposed to be from another planet, how could they disguise themselves as people? But Pandora, Spock's an alien and he looks almost completely human. Willpower! Willpower and confidence. You don't think an alien could pass for a human if he was already too mind-locked into thinking he was an alien, do you? They just have to unshackle their minds and release their boundlessness. The chameleons within themselves. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Excuse me for interrupting, Mr. Brandt, but I think we should be concentrating on how to save the president. We'll explain on this later, Tabitha. I don't seem to have noticed any cask agents in the crowd, which means they must be backstage. Come on. Hope, her daughter, her daughter's confused best friend, their uncharismatic classmate, and his possibly too charismatic political self-help guru left Omar Shefts asleep in the auditorium and made their way unobtrusively backstage. Few people could have surprised Pandora and her mother by appearing more, however, than the one they now noticed talking to the orator's bodyguards. I assure you, Miss Renavalona, you can tell your bodyguards to stand back. These people aren't harmful in the least. Quite the contrary. Mom! Grandma! Perry! What? what? Hope springs eternal, dear. I congratulate you- Darling now, Mother. Yes, of course. Darling. Well, I congratulate you most heartily, Eggplant. You've passed the test with flying colors. I was beginning to suspect you'd given up on the globe and mail. 
And as for you, my dear Jay, I just hope you haven't... It's with great pleasure that we now present the President of the Republic of Madagascar, Emil and Antana Rayanen. But that's wrong! What? what? Emil and Antana Rayanen is not the President. It's Mark Ravalomanana. That means Mark Ravalomanana is still in Antananarivo, Madagascar. Mark Ravalomanana is still in Antananarivo, Madagascar? Mark Ravalomanana is still in Antananarivo, Madagascar. Mark Ravalomanana is still in Antananarivo, Madagascar? Yes! Why is Mark Ravalomanana still in Antananarivo, Madagascar? Will Pandora get along with her mother long enough to prevent Cask from taking him over? Will Hope? Does Cask even exist? Or are Hope, her mother, and Jason all delusional? How does Jason Brandt know Esperanza Deer? How does she know him? Will anybody try to arrest Hope for blowing up that hangar? Will it be Pandy or Tabby who wins Bobby Kurtzman's heart? Find out in next week's heart-stopping episode of Like Mother, Casket Case. In that episode of Like Mother, the narrator was Charles Berman, Pandora Darling was Guinevere Eckert, Hope Darling was Lynn Nelson, Tabby was Ava Rosenblatt, Bobby Kurtzman was Jordan D. White, Jason Brandt was Elijah Weberhan, Omar Shefts was Rob Glass, Esperanza Dia was Angela Tymon, and the announcer was Frank Allen. Thank you very much, Rory, and thank you, uh, thank you, Mrs. Darling, and thank you, Ms. Darling, as well, uh, for contributing that report that had a lot of interesting points in it. Jordan, do you have any thoughts on the role of young people in politics today, and and whether or not uh, the, it's a good thing at all? Uh, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, I I do think it's a very positive thing that uh, Jimmy Kovacs is getting young people involved in politics. I I don't see any reason that just because they can't vote doesn't mean they shouldn't take an interest in their country. Because even though they're not legally responsible for their own actions, you know, by the letter of the law, that their parents uh, are responsible for them. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't take an interest in what the laws of the land are and uh, the ways that they can influence them. Because, you know, there's nothing saying that politi- that kids can't become politically active through, you know, protests and through, you know, positive change in that respect. And as I mean, as you see, when you go to a, a Jimmy Kovacs rally, as I have for the show before, you know, to cover it, you, you do see a lot of kids, you do see a lot of young people. And again, that's not going to translate into votes because they're not able to vote for the president. But it is going to translate into, you know, very positive feeling and positive action towards the Jimmy Kovacs movement. Now, again, is it going to be enough to outweigh the the, the votes of the the you know more sober thinking adults who who say, well, there's a, there's reasons for these rules uh, who are going to vote for Senator Marsh? I, I don't. I can't say that they are. I can't necessarily say that they are. And I kind of hope that they're not. Again, because I, I do think Senator Marsh is very interested in social programs. He he he's been putting forward a lot of ideas on these social programs. You know, he as you know, he helped put through the tubes in Washington, uh, the escape tubes in, underneath the Washington uh, locations. And gr- yes, granted. Jimmy Kovacs did also help with that. But, you know, Senator Marsh made a big movement through that. And if it wasn't for the tube movement and the rebuilding of Washington after, you know, its near destruction, Senator Marsh would not be here today running for president. Well, yes, of course, but Washington uh, was only saved from utter destruction because of the actions of Jimmy Kovacs and his friends. Just because he helped rebuild it, you know, it, it wouldn't be able to be rebuilt if it wasn't for Mr. Kovacs. Well, that's true, that's true, but but does does uh, ability as an adventurer qualify you as uh, a president? I mean, you know, uh, Senator Marsh went to college at a prestigious Massachusetts 
Massachusetts uh, University. He got a degree in in historical studies and in you know with a with a dual degree in uh, in rhetoric. And then he went on to do graduate studies as well at the same university, uh, delving deeper into into history and politics uh, before going and running for public office, you know, things like that, uh, serving first locally, then at the state level, and then finally in the national level in the Senate. Whereas uh, Jimmy Kovacs, you know, yes, he's fought uh, people who are invaders from other, you know, universes and galaxies, and he's he's helped stop crime, but only on, a, on an individual level, you know, not, not in a po- political and enacting level. Uh, the most political thing, of course, being that he's ever done, being speaking on behalf of the tubes, trying to get these tubes started, um, not working directly with Senator Marsh, of course, I don't believe they actually met on the subject at that point, um, but, you know, both working on the same cause from different ends of the spectrum. Uh, that's the only political thing he's ever really done, other, you know, again, other than, like, stopping political crime. What qualifies him to be the President of the United States? Well, that's a very good question, and, 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 I, and I must say, a lot of it is just that he's a fresh voice. You know, we didn't want politics as usual. As much as we like the fact that Senator Marsh, you know, does have some, some new ideas, we don't want the same old politics as usual, because, you know, I'm sure once he's in office. It's, it's all going to be about calling back on some, you know, ancient uh, um, individual who, who's been been in power for so long. You know, I mean, it, it's not going to be about fresh new ideas. And, and that's what Jimmy Kovacs has got to represent for the American people. And that's what he represents to me is is kind of a new a new idea, something we've never seen before, something that can change on a fundamental level uh, the way that politics operates. Uh, is that a good thing necessarily? I mean, yes, nobody wants, you know, as nobody wants to, to maintain what's going on in the Smitty administration, obviously, because President Smitty is corrupt. No, nobody, no, no Democrats, no Republicans, nobody likes President Smith. Hence him not even being put forward for a second term by his own party. That's why, that's how, uh, uh, Jimmy Kovacs was able to run on the Republican ticket, as we all know. Right, right. So nobody wants to continue that kind of politics as usual, but does that mean that the entire political system is broken? And I don't necessarily think that it does. You know, perhaps there's a way to do more regulation of political action, you know, more self-regulation, but also, you know, laws in place. And that requires government programs, that requires government spending, that does not require a smaller government. In, I mean, I don't know if it requires a bigger one, but at the very least, it requires, you know, more more thought for from the government and more action from the government on this issue. And I, like I said, I don't I don't feel like I'd get that from from Jimmy Kovacs. He he sounds like he'll be deregulating things rather than regulating things. That is really that is a really good point. Well, now uh, we do have actually a kind of a historical perspective on that, isn't that correct, Roy? Yes, yes, I did provide. Um, yes, I did work up. It's a very short report, but it is a very short uh, historical report talking about an event actually that happened today in history um, and how it relates to politics and to elections. Perhaps we can get right to it. Yes, yes, let's go through it. This is uh this is Roy's this day in history. Report. Hello and welcome to this day in history. My name is Rory Sinjin and this is WHRW Binghamton. On October 13th, 1943, the government of Italy declares war on its former Axis partner Germany and joins the battle on the side of the Allies. Let's listen. Oh, this Nazi party is a sort of fun. It's a free drink for everyone. It, oh, Adolf, I'm so happy you could have arrived. Deutschland, Deutschland, You left your keys in the car. I <laughs> guess that's something I just did not see. <laughs> do it right, do it right. One terrible car crash later. I uh, hope this does not uh, 
cause a bad blood between our two countries. And yet it did. Uh, it was over that drunk driving incident that Italy did change sides after all on uh, that same day. This is This Day in History, reminding you not to drink and drive on WHRW Binghamton or elsewhere. But don't elect to stop listening yet. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. In that drinking and driving incident, Mussolini was driving Hitler's car and crashed it, as you heard. When the Italian police showed up, they had no choice but to arrest him because it was a fascist regime and they had to do what they were told. Of course, he thought, as the leader of the fascist regime, I could do whatever I want, right? Well, he was wrong. And then they had to have elections, of course. And two people ran. And one of them said, if you elect me, I will make us part of the Allies. And the other one said, I will make you all drink and drive all the time. And they didn't want to do that because they knew that if you drink and drive, you could probably crash your car because, it, you know, it affects your judgment, it affects your sense of timing, etc., etc. So, when everybody cast their vote, they voted for Mr. McCormick, and Mr. McCormick of Italy uh, did rule the country from then on, saying, from now on, drinking and driving is, you know, banned. At the very least, I'm not going to do it, even though my name is McCormick, and many people think I'm an Irishman and therefore drink a lot, but I don't, because I'm not a stereotype. So, what did we learn? Don't believe in stereotypes, and don't drink and drive. It's all very much true, and make sure you vote in the election, or else someone might make it so that they have to drink and drive mandatorily. I'm not sure whether either of the candidates in your world believe in that right now, but look into it yourself. Thank you very much. This is Rory Sinjin on Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And so as you can see, this is not the first time that, uh, you know, an election has hinged on so much. On on today, I mean, it, it all it all started with the car accident today and it led to that, you know, much, much debated uh, election in which uh, Mr. McCormick did become king of Italy. Interesting. Uh, that's an interesting uh, quote-unquote fact. Now, uh, what I wanted to say was, I, I did what I found really interesting about that report that you did was that uh, Mussolini did go to jail uh, because because that's an interesting kind of a... There's, uh, I've noticed a bit of a pattern. In, in political figures going to jail? No, uh, more in historical figures going to jail a lot. Uh, there's a lot of historical stories uh, where people go to jail. Well, yes, but he drunk, he drank and drive. He, he drank and drove, I should say. Um, so, you know, it, it is against the law. Right, right. Uh, although, and, and another thing that was interesting about it was that he didn't think he had done anything wrong, but he went to jail anyway. He thought he was all right and in the clear. Well, yes, yes, but I mean, because he, as I said, because he was the fascist leader of the country. No, so, no I just wanted to point out that that was an interesting point. Um, but yes, that, that was very uh, good. Uh, thank you for that report, and it did, uh, did cover a lot of um, uh, electoral ideas, I should say. Uh, because I, I now, uh, given the candidates we have right now, do you think that either of them, Jordan, let me ask you, do you think that either uh, Marsh or Kovacs does support mandatory drinking and driving? Not from what I've heard on their stump speeches. Typically speaking, they don't, to be honest with you, I haven't heard much talk about drinking and driving either way. Um, on, on Mr. Kovacs' side, it might be because he's only 15 and he's not legally old enough to um, drive let alone drink. So he he's not he shouldn't be drinking or driving I, I, either one um, in any occasion. Uh, so so that probably is why we don't hear much about him. Um, on the other hand, Senator Marsh has been around a long time. I'm pretty sure he's had some alcohol in his life. Uh, at this point, there's no report of him having driven a car while intoxicated. But uh, it's been you know he's a lot older than me, so he might have done it before I was born. I do find it unlikely though. I do find it unlikely though because we probably hear about it from police reports or things like that. Um, at this point, I would I would think it's safe to say. That that, again, nobody's asked them about him. If you'd like to, you can bring it up during the debate, Frank. But no one's asked them about, do you support drinking and driving? Maybe it's a question that the American people should put to them. Um, but at, at, like I said, at this point, it's unknown. Okay, well, uh, then I guess at this point, they're both on even footing on that issue. Or maybe I will bring it up in the debate. Uh, we'll have to see how it goes if we have time. 
to cover that. Uh, let's see. Up next, oh, up next, we do have a report. Now, this is a this is kind of a re-airing of a report that I did a while back. It was a debate, uh, not a presidential debate, but a debate on an issue of religious uh, ideas. Now, there's there's been kind of an issue of young Earth creationism in the history of uh, the United States elections. In in the uh, debate of young Earth creationism versus evolution, is there a clear victor? Is there a winner? Which one is correct? Should both be taught in schools? Should neither be taught in schools? Well, uh, you know, these are all important issues, and I, one thing I think they stem from is kind of the question of how did the Earth be created? What Was it something that happened over many millions of years? Was there a Big Bang or was everything formed in seven days actually as it states literally in the Bible? Well, this is a report where we first go into the ideas behind these positions and uh, then we debate them once and for all. Uh, well, not once and for all, but we do debate them at any rate. Here's what we had to say about it. This is called In the Beginning. everyone, this is Frank Allen. You're listening to Tractor Fiction here on WHRW Binghamton. Welcome. Uh, we've got an amazing little tract here tonight. It's called In the Beginning. My understanding is... Now, I'm not exactly an expert in these things, but my understanding is it's part of a series. It's the first episode of a series of tracts dealing with directly with scripture of the supposed Bible. All right. Um... So it's called, as I said, In the Beginning. And uh, we're going to just, like, you know, as always, we're going to just get right to it. Here we go with In the Beginning. One day, Bob, a humble computer worker, was working on a spreadsheet on his office computer when Jason, his zany co-worker, bopped into the room carrying a plastic figure of an Apatosaurus. Good day, computer man. Check out me dinosaur. This critter lived 145 million years ago. That's a joke. Hey, me teacher told me that. Your teacher's been brainwashed. Evolution is the religion of scientists who laugh at God. <laughs> 145 million years? Those guys are only guessing. Okay, smart guy. I suppose you know when the dinosaurs were here. Yes, I do. And I can tell you the exact day. Jason, listen to me. Since so many scientists contradict each other, I found this to be the only source I can trust. The Bible. Dun, dun, dun! In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Look what took place in six days. The earth was without form and void, empty. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light! On day one, God divided the light from the darkness. He called the light day and the darkness night. There was no big bang, so let's see what really happened. Day two, God separated the waters by putting a space of air between them, creating a giant, great canopy of water water vapor around the earth. Day three, the seas were divided, and dry land appeared with grass and trees and fruit. What, no sun? How do they grow then, Bruce? Ha ha, I got you now. Day four, the very next day, the next day, God made the sun, moon, and stars. See, they had to be real days or the plants and trees would have died. Day five, the waters brought forth fish in abundance and every winged fowl ever after its kind. Now, are you ready for the Apatosaurus uh, and Tyrannosaurus Rex? It happened on the sixth day. God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures after his kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts and all the beasts of the earth after his kind. 
and it was so. That blows me away, Bruce. Me brain is reeling. That's what the word of God says. But something even more important happened on the same day, Jason. Bruce? And God said, let us make man in our image. And the Lord God formed man of the dust in the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. You mean a prehistoric man like the Aborigines? No, Jason. There was nothing prehistoric. Oi! That word was created to brainwash us. What, oi? Bob, are you telling me that dinosaurs and man were both created on the same day? Oi! That's what God's word tells us. Man, that's too hard to swallow, like a dingo eating me baby! Jason, there are photos of your, of a dingo eating your baby, and of men's footprints walking next to dinosaur footprints. Did you know that? They were found in Glen Rose, Texas. Texas?! God doesn't lie. Can you trace back in time when Adam lived there, Bruce? Roughly 6,000 years ago. Hey, gods! That's what I've been taught in school, films, and magazines. It's all phony, like beer being warm. There were no prehistoric men, Jason. Before day one, there was no world. Adam was our first relative, and you're going to hate what he did to you. The instant Adam was created, he could speak, and God put him in the Garden of Eden. After creation, God rested on the seventh day. Uh. He saw everything was good. God told Adam, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Then God gave Adam his, this warning. But of the tree of knowledge and of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Adam got the message. He was busy naming all the animals, and God saw that he was lonely. So Aww. God created Eve to help him. And now the drama begins. Eve was beautiful and was to help Adam. Both of their hearts were innocent, but unknown to them, a very dangerous creature was planning their destruction, and ours. Satan entered a serpent, who was both clever and dangerous, and it talked to Eve. Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden. Eve spoke of God's warning that they would die, die, if they ate of the forbidden tree. Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Eve had been deceived. More than anything, Eve wanted to be a god. She took Adam to the tree. Although Adam knew it was wrong, they deliberately violated God's direct command. Oi! Hmm? Even if it meant their deaths, they ate of the fruit anyway. They lost their innocence. The time came to face God and account for the crime. God knew what they had done and the horrifying effects of their sins. They blamed each other, and the Lord cursed the serpent and the ground. Father! And Adam and Eve's lives would now be filled with sorrow. Our parents were driven out of the garden, followed by a new creature called death. Um, death. The firstborn on this planet was named Cain. He murdered his kid brother out of jealousy. Adam's sin passed into his children and all the following generations. Oi, are you saying that I'm a sinner because of what Adam did? Jason, you're no better than Adam. No! Oh. None of us are innocent. We've all sinned. Mankind became worse and worse. Here we are 6,000 years later, and our hearts haven't changed. At death, our bodies go back to dust, just like Adam. But where do our souls go? I don't know, Bruce. How would I know? There are only two places. 
and one is hell. It's warm in here. Oh, so sort of like Melbourne then. What do I have to do, bros, to go to hell? Absolutely nothing, Jason, Oi. because you're going to die in your sins unless... Oh, man. Oi, I'm in real trouble. So much trouble that I'm going to lose me accent pretty soon. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Bob, if I was born this way, I'm in a no-win situation, because I sin all the time, and I fake my Australian heritage. You see, it seems if God really cared about us, he'd have put me in Australia, and he'd have done something to save all of us. Great point, Jason. Well, the whole sins thing, not so much the Australian thing, that actually has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Mm. I'll tell you what he did for you, and it cost him everything. I'm so poor. God Almighty left heaven to be born as the savior of the world. Dun, dun, dun. His name was Jesus Christ. Hi. For 33 years, he lived a sinless life. Do, 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 do. Then, as a perfect sacrifice, he shed his precious blood to pay for the penalty of your sins. Ow! Jesus was buried, and three days later, he rose again from uh. the dead. <laughs> because of his sacrifice, anyone can now receive the gift of eternal life. Yay! Adam brought us death, but Jesus dies to give us eternal life. <laughs> Jason, if you believe Jesus died for your sins, then make him your personal savior. You will be saved. Lord Jesus, I've duped so many people. I used an Australian accent to fake a heritage to get into college and get discounts on my financial aid. Forgive me for such sins and all of my sins, including throwing fosters at little children and telling them to drink it. Save me from going to hell. Save my baby from the dingo's mouth. Please come into my heart. I trust you and Paul Hogan as my saviors right now. Okay. The end. That's an amazing... A uh, heartwarming moment, I'm sure we all can agree. <laughs> oh, oh, what's that laughter? Apparently our feather collection got spilled and... Well, she gets a little silly, you know. Tickle fest. It hurts. Don't, don't, be, don't be hurt. Don't be hurt by these things. They're only true if you believe them. Um, all right. So, now, it's, it's time for the traditional tractor fiction debate. All right, so can I have debater number one, Mr. or Ms. Debater number one? There we go, debater number one. Hi, sir, what's your name? Hi, I'm the devil. Oh, uh, hello, devil, yes, how are you how doing? How are you doing? I'm okay. Uh, Good to hear. And uh, debater number two, up against the devil, here we go. Yes, debater number two. Um, hi, this is Eve. How are you Eve? doing? Oh, there we go. Very, very good. Good to see you again. Hey. Oh, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep yourself looking good there. Yeah, I know. I'm Whatever. glad. I'm glad you're here. All right. So we got the devil and Eve. Now, um, I'm sorry, Eve. What's your last name? I don't have one. Oh, I was never given one. Oh, okay, okay. We should give you a Jewish last name. How about name. um, <laughs> something like Stein? No, no, no. Um, I'm just Eve, dude. Just Eve. Eve. Wait a minute. Eve Adamrib. Eve Adamrib. Death is just a state of mind. Come on. Man. All right. Well, let's let's uh, do the debate. Uh, uh, I'm going to find out who's on what side of this tract. Uh, oddly enough, both of you are mentioned in it, so hopefully you both have first-hand knowledge, uh, oh, and it is confirmed that the devil believes this is true, and Eve believes this is false. <laughs> so let's hear all about it. Eve, you get to uh, start on the attack. Okay, I was going to say, for one, this man has never spoken to me before. I don't know who the heck he is. I've never seen him, never heard of him. Who are you? Well, you know, Prince Darkness, head of the RIA, you know. Yeah, yeah you say these things, but all I hear is blah, 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 blah. Really, dude, <gasps> come on. That's quite a counter. <laughs> now, uh, what about the fact that when, when he came in, he said, it's good to see you again, and you said, yeah. 
Oh, I know everyone. He doesn't... I don't know him. I said, yeah, whatever. Sarcasm. You don't know me, but I know you. I know him. You I know her. You may think you know me, but you have no idea. Don't pull the Maury Povich defense on me. I created that defense. Mm-hmm. You don't know me. Mm-hmm. Y'all don't know me. Blah, 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 blah. Whose baby is this? Mine or yours? Okay. I created it all. All right. All right. Mr. Devil. Um, yes. Mr. So. Uh, Satan or whatever. Mm. Um, here's my question about the tract. Um, it said there that when, when Adam ate of the fruit, he mm. knew it was wrong, right? Mm. But it's before he ate of the fruit, so he doesn't know what good and evil are. How could he have known it was wrong? Well, you see, here's the deal. I'd like to answer that question by telling a completely unrelated but related anecdote. Oh, here it goes. <clears throat> One misconception the Bible has is that everybody blames me for making the serpent talk. Well, here's the deal. Now, think of all the animals. God created all the animals. Dig this. Wrap where I'm going now. Check this out. All right. Now, of all the animals, snake gets shafted. He doesn't get legs. He doesn't get claws. He doesn't get fur. He's cold in the wintertime. He gets shafted. Of all the animals, he gets dumped on. Um, now, hold on. Actually, Don, now, let me he finish. had legs before this whole deal. Hold on. Let me yeah, talk dude. my story now. See, he's See, wrapping now. his lips, but all I'm hearing is blah, blah, blah. blah. Let me finish this up because I put this in a play of Scott Finbos. I told him, write about this because I'm going to make this a great play for you. It's called Lucifer I Am. And here's what the deal is. Now, now you got the devil here. and I mean, the serpent is lying down and the serpent feels shafted by God, man. So he decides to destroy the greatest of all creations, which is man. So that's why he goes up to Eve and says, baby, I can give you the gift of life and good and evil. You never said that to me. I don't know what you're talking about. That's the serpent. I think this guy did a few too many drugs. All right, all right, all right. Now, hold on, hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. We have an expert, I guess. Okay, expert, bring it. Actually, um, hi, I'm the the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and uh, I'm actually an expert on discrimination, and I'd just like to bring up the fact that I was very, very highly discriminated against in this story. No other tree in the entire garden was given an evil snake or fruit that no one could eat. Nobody loves me. Nobody eats my fruit. God told us not to. I'll eat your fruit, man. Baby. No, wait, wait, hold on. Ew. Eve, Eve, Eve. Yes. Did you just say God told you not to? I said God told us not to. God never okay. spoke to me. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So you admit that you knew you weren't supposed to eat it. I, I didn't eat it. So you don't Adam know the difference it. between it good and evil. It was his idea. So you don't know the difference between good and evil. No, I don't. Then how do you know this tract is false? <laughs> because I never Bada told boom. Adam to eat it. Bada boom, baby. Duh, it's false. I never told Adam to eat it. Bada he boom. never spoke to me before in anybody's lifetime. Okay. Before, after, we actually, nothing. I believe we have another expert. lover of all people. We have another expert here. Hold yep. on. I'm actually evil, and I think I can test this lady. I can test this lady to find out whether or not mm. she knows the difference. Now, lady. What? I have this orphan right here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, it's I'm a going, orphan. Yeah. I'm going to feed this orphan to this chihuahua. <laughs> God, why would you do that? Ha, she ah, knows the difference. Oh, that's oh, a dead giveaway. Go. Oh, that's a dead giveaway. Tell me, tell me, have you ever <gasps> considered working? Tell, tell me, sir, have you ever considered working in the Devil's Army? Actually, I have a great place for lieutenant. I'd like to talk. If I may chime in here. Oh my gosh, there's all um, sorts of people to talk. want to talk. Good and evil were created in me, um, and I can just testify that that's not necessarily evil, sir. There's a difference between disgusting and evil. <laughs> What's the difference? Disgusting is not necessarily evil. Oh, yes, it but is. But evil well, is always like disgusting. is not evil. Hold on, hold, Excuse me. Hold on. All right, Excuse we got me. another expert. Oh, you're so you're we not have so the many. prince of darkness. My, my dad is the prince of darkness. 
Oh, here we go. We've got an imposter Fine, in here. Fine. No, no, my dad. I'm, I'm, I'm Jack Osborne. My dad. My dad's the Fine. Prince of Darkness. You found me out, Jack. You're not the I'm not the devil, no. I just really wish I was, man. Hey, give See, me back my resume. See, I told you this guy never talked to me before. No, no, no but you talked to my dad. Ozzy Osbourne? You talked to Ozzy Osbourne in the in the garden? Is that true? Not I'm in the garden, the but... On that one, baby! I, th- I, think it was, I think it was 10 years ago. He bit the head off a bird from my tree. Oh. My branches. Wow. That's not right, very right. nice. That sounds evil and disgusting. Oh. Right. Yes, like though. I said, you talked to my dad. He, Dude, like he 10 years ago, gave you this whole apple. thing is supposed to have happened like 6,000 years ago. It was an, I'm sorry, it was an I apple computer? Or... Therefore, I'm the prince of lies. Yes, I am evil no, in your no, no, face, no, no, no. good. Dude, I don't I don't think you have royalty in lies. You just Yeah, lie. no, dude. Um, and you so didn't even do it very... Dis- oh. so maybe you're... Everyone in England is the prince of England? Maybe you're a, a private of lies. <laughs> or maybe right. you're some kind of lie esquire. Yeah, lie. All I know the page. Of lies. You until Jack came along. Uh, yeah. But no, no, no. Here's All the right. deal. Okay, I never convinced Adam to eat from the fruit tree thing. Tree. No, no. Was did my Adam ever convince to eat you? <laughs> Whoa. Anyway. That's cannibalism. That's evil. Yes, that's cannibalism, and that is just. That's, that's, wow! That's, you almost said it was evil. I almost hurt you. You were going there. I had an evil thought, therefore I'm evil. No, but here's yeah. the thing, though. I never convinced Adam to eat from that tree. You, I no, never convinced him to eat that apple. I never. Did. He did it on his own, no, and no, he my, didn't my die. Dad has, no, my dad has the pictures. You definitely I'm gave evil. Adam the apple. Yeah. I've seen the pictures. Don't let her lie. I didn't make him eat it. He oh, ate it well, on his own. All right, all right. Well, I'm sorry, may I intervene? Fault. I have a oh, question. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was wondering, Um, since the beginning of this tract says, you know, that dinosaurs and humans were created on the same day, and Adam was the, same, was the uh, first man, mm-hmm. so how come they never talked about him on the Flintstones? That's a good yeah. question. Therefore, I'm evil. That's like, a good question. Like, were the Flintstones aware like, of Christianity? Yeah. And did did Adam ever go walking hand in hand with a dinosaur down some romantic beach somewhere? The Flintstones promoted cigarettes. Therefore, they're evil. Yeah. I, be- I no, believe just that. All right. Disgusting. All right. All right. Now, hold on. Hold on. I think we can settle all of these arguments. Okay. Um, I'm going to settle. In fact, all of these arguments yeah, right not. now. And I'm sorry. Fake Satan. Eve is right. Uh, she didn't convince Adam. Booyah. Booyah. The- boo- Sorry, Jack, yeah. as well. She did not. Eve didn't do it. Eve doesn't know. Women actually can't tell the difference. That's a oh, bunch of hey, wait a while. Evil pictures at home. Don't bring them in. You're evil like Women me. can't tell the I think it's yeah. obvious. No, I so have never that toss answer about the Flintstones. The Flintstones, uh, that they're not evil, I guess, and that they, they didn't. They are they're evil. Wrong. They're wrong, but they're not evil. Disgusting, but not evil. Disgu- possibly oh, disgusting. Uh, so, so women. So that's the answer. Women can't tell the difference between good and evil. Men apparently can because they because they broke the rules. And I'm evil. This so, is definitely the worst tract ever. Yeah. No, it's yeah. but it's it's not right. So it doesn't matter. Well, good. <laughs> All right. Because <laughs> I found so many false I things and I'm like, <laughs> everybody, evil. everybody enjoy. We're gonna we're gonna get get uh, on our way with WHRW Binghamton, which is evil. possibly evil. You decide. That episode of Tranquil Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, 
Aaron Bass, Scott Finbeau, Lynn Nelson, Magdalena Richards, Daniel Schwartz, Sam Thomason, Angela Tyman, Devin White, and Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Rory. Uh, now we do have uh, we don't want to we don't want to go too long. It's it's coming up very close on the debate right now. But I do have a uh, a bit of mail uh, for Mr. Uh, Rory Sinjin from based on our previous uh, political show. Uh, we we got a letter about uh, it. Actually, is a, polit- a political uh, issue uh, a, a political stance that you put forward? last episode, and they uh, take issue with. Uh, I just want to read that to you, if that's all right. Oh, yes, uh, sure. I, 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 I support my own views, of course, and so I stand behind them. Let's let's hear what it has to say. Sure, sure. Uh, Rory, I was shocked to hear your staunch pro-shoe stance in last week's Where Are They Now in History. As a much-admired figure both by myself and my colleagues, you must understand the weight your opinions carry. It will not do to have you making such bold statements of policy willy-nilly. Secondly, as well as additionally, you shouldn't let your recent imprisonment get you down. Don't fret about your job either. My colleagues and I have spent many years bereft of employment, and many of us have been subjects to the correctional system. Ultimately, the distinctions of normal society are meaningless as long as you do what makes you happy and sleep somewhere dry. Perhaps you can even use this as an opportunity to join our carefree life of riding the rails. Think about it. Looking forward to your next W-A-T-N-I-H. Sincerely, Blackagar Boltagon, King of the Hobos. How do you Now, how do you answer that, Rory? First of all, the allegation that you shouldn't be making such proclamations about uh, uh, people wearing shoes. Well, I, you know, I, frankly, I didn't realize it would be such a controversial issue. Wearing shoes is really a generally a good thing. And now I understand that some people might choose not to wear shoes uh, a lot. But the fact is, you could uh, injure your foot and end up having it amputated at some point. And that would be unfortunate for everybody involved. Uh, especially for the feet themselves, because once once separated from your body, they can no longer act. Uh, they have no autonomy. They only can act as part of the whole. And once removed from the whole, it's it's sort of like a, a you know if, if if a senator was taken out of the Senate, they could no longer legislate. And that's how it is with your feet. And that's why you should wear shoes. And that's why again, that's why uh, senators should obey the law and not be kicked out of the Senate. Um, same reason that you should wear shoes on your feet. Would, now, would you? Would, oh, that's interesting. Would you agree with that, Jordan? Um, well, I I gotta say, uh, I do also think you should wear shoes, but it's not because senators shouldn't be kept kicked out of the, the Senate. The fact is, the senators have to be held responsible for their actions. So if they do do something immoral, um, they should be kicked out. So the fact is, if your sh- if your feet deserve to be chopped off, you know, then maybe they should be chopped off. Now, again, it's preferable that they don't do that thing in the first place. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's why you should wear shoes, because you don't want them to be chopped off. Yeah, but that's not but that's not your feet's choice. That's your choice. So that's much more like the Senate saying, don't break the law. That's putting the rules in place. But if your feet make the decision to step on something sharp, and get infected and become a rotting, you know, piece of flesh that's going to take your entire body down with it. You need to, you need to amputate. You need to chop that foot off. That's that's an interesting, that's an interesting thing. And then again, regarding the the idea of imprisonment and uh, and employment. It's, look, it's not a problem. I, I do still have a secondary employment. I'm not going to join the life of the hobos there. I mean, I do I do welcome the invitation, but uh, frankly, I've been a member of the employed uh, community for a long time, and I wouldn't want to turn my back on that community. They've done a lot for me. Uh, they've they've donated to my cause by by paying me when I do my job and I you know again I that, that's not that's not to say that I give in to lobbyists though um, because it's not really lobbying it's 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 something else entirely well it sounds a little bit like lobbying they're giving you money and then you're you're acting on their interests well yes but it's it's an optional thing I don't have to act on their interests but I do feel that I want to because their interests are also my interests and that's why we became you know related in the first place that's why we became connected uh, politically and and through employment uh, because we both had an interest in the same thing, and that is why I act in the interest, not out of loyalty because of the money. I mean, the money definitely is is nice. I will say that. And I'm not going to stop taking the money just because people allege that it is immoral. All right.
debate if that's the way you feel about it. Now, uh, before we get to this debate, it's really getting close now. I do want to just, again, summarize. Uh, what we, we've got the situation is, on the one side, we have uh, Senator Marsh. He's a senator uh, He from Massachusetts. He's been uh, in the Senate for a few years now. He is a Democrat. He has always been in favor of, you know, uh, social programs to help uh, the poor, the disenfranchised, things like that. One of his biggest, as we've discussed earlier, one of his biggest feats was uh, helping to rebuild Washington. He led the effort to rebuild Washington, D.C. after it was decimated by Stray on the Annihilator. And, and now that led to his, you know, showing him in a more leadership light and brought him to the attention of the, the national uh, community as someone who could lead as president. Because, of course, he was compared at the time very starkly to President Smitty, who is, of course, a Republican president, but whose corruption uh, seems to know no bounds. He is absolutely the most corrupt president uh, in the history of the United States. Well, at the very least, the most corrupt president uh, to... Mo we know about more corruption from him than any other president. Uh, I guess so in that respect, he might just be the, the most caught president in the United States. Uh, but I, I've got to say, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine that Presitron could have possibly been as corrupt secretly. I, I mean, we do know there were problems in the Presitron administration, of course, but Von Wicked, uh, anybody I can think of, obviously, going all the way back to, you know, Thomas Edison himself, I don't think any of our presidents could have possibly been as corrupt as we know for a fact Smitty is. Uh, but of course, as you know, that corruption is done through legal channels, through loopholes, and even though everybody knows he's guilty, uh, we can't convict him. But that did not stop the Republican Party from saying, no, we will not put you up for another term. And therefore, we end up with uh, Jimmy Kovacs running on the, the Republican ticket. As Again, the youngest man to ever run for president. He's 15 years old. Is he qualified? Well, nobody's really sure. I mean, we're, we're going to hopefully find out once and for all tonight in this debate. Uh, before we start, we're just we're just getting right up on the uh, the edge of the beginning now. I do want to go back down to Boca Raton, Florida with Mr. Scape White to see if there's any change in the situation. Mr. Scape White. Let's go, Frank. Uh, is there any change in the situation? Has uh, either uh, party approved? approached you with moist food or, uh, you know, uh, petting, anything like that? No, unfortunately not. Uh, I'm still very hungry, but I don't have any moist food yet. Um, again, the hope is, and the feeling that I get from the crowd, is that perhaps during the debate, one of them will say something about moist food and giving it to me. Um, I can't, I can't know for sure, but I, I will say, if you have a chance to ask about it. No, no, I, I mean, I could, but I, it doesn't seem like it's appropriate. Uh, well, okay, I mean, that's fine. Fine, so perhaps they'll bring it up when you talk about world hunger or something like that. Well, perhaps. I guess you never know. So, but at this point, so at this point, you're still undecided. You're still an undecided voter. Absolutely. Uh, nobody's really swayed me either way. Well, we'll definitely check back in with you after the debate to see if you were swayed one way or the other. It's time to begin the debate, so let's get right to it. We'll be back afterwards with analysis with from both uh, Jordan and Rory, and we'll find out if Scape was swayed one way or the other. Thank you very much for joining us on this, the night of the final presidential debate. The Backwards Series, Season 2, Episode 7, Jam It Up, by Jordan D. White. Thank you, and uh, welcome to this, the third of three presidential debates leading up to tomorrow's election. 
By now, I'm sure the American people are quite familiar with both candidates, so um, I think we can forgo lengthy introductions in favor of getting right to the debate. On my left, uh, three-term Democratic senator from Massachusetts, Randall Marsh. Thank you. And on my right, young Jimmy Kovacs, 15-year-old adventurer, running as the Republican candidate. Gee, thanks. Now, as with the previous debates, I... uh, I want to address a question to one candidate who will then have a limited time to answer. After that, the other candidate will have a short rebuttal time, and then we reverse. As always, we ask that you hold your applause until the end of the debate. Senator Marsh, uh, you won the coin toss, so the first question is addressed to you. Senator, citizens today face many potential dangers, but poll after poll has shown that in our spacefaring age, the threat of alien invasion is still the biggest fear among most Americans. What are your feelings on the issue, and how would you propose to keep our country safe? First off, let me thank you for having me here, Frank, and let me thank the American people for watching. In regards to your question, I think the American people need to understand that, Syriusians aside, our galactic neighbors mean us no ill will. I mean no disrespect to President Smitty, but in some ways, I believe his presidency has done quite a bit of harm to America's galactic relations. His blind refusal to recognize the IO agreement has cast a shadow over all Earth-alien relations. Really, when it comes down to it, this is a planetary issue. Earth is the only first system planet that is still broken into autonomous countries. What we here in America need is a leader who can show that he is representative of all of Earth. A strong leader who can truly unite all peoples under one banner. When I am elected, I will provide our country, and indeed our planet, with a strong leader who can bring mankind to its ultimate destiny. America needs that strength, now more than ever. No offense to Mr. Kovacs. He is a bright boy, but he is just a boy. Thank you, Senator. Uh, Mr. Kovacs, your response. Thank you, Frank, and let me thank you for having me as well. It's a pleasure to be here. And I must say, in many ways, I agree with Senator Marsh. Earth-alien relations are a global issue, not just an American one. I think we disagree, however, on how to go about it. Maybe I'm being naive, but it seems to me the best way to improve our global situation is by working with other countries, not forcing our ways on them. (laughs) We wouldn't want Venus forcing their laws on Earth. We don't want Connecticut forcing its law on Luna. Why should America force its laws on Europa? Just as the federal government can allow the states to keep autonomy, so too can the world operate as one, while respecting its constituents, and, well, I don't see any reason why we should change it. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Kovacs, the next question goes to you. As I'm sure our viewing audience knows, your ticket is quite a controversial one. Uh, Not only have you only been eligible to run since the passing of the 56th Amendment three months ago, um, an amendment which seems to have been created primarily to facilitate your run, but you've also been running on the Kovacs America ticket, having named the entire adult body of American citizens as your running mate. How do you answer critics who say this is unconstitutional, and how exactly would this work? Um, okay, okay, I'm glad that you asked about that. First of all, for everyone who says these things can't be done, they can. America is a country of people, and it exists only because those people want it to. If we the people want to change the country, then gosh darn it, we can. The Constitution is there to reflect the will of the people, not shape it. That's why our founding fathers made sure that there was a system in place to change the rules as we go. In regards to the practical matter of having all the people of America act as vice president, we've worked quite hard at developing a system that can make it work. Molly Singh and Sarah Keane have developed a handheld technology that the government will distribute, one per household, allowing each and every citizen to read up on governmental affairs, and then respond with their opinions. Then the Singh Keane 5000, as we call it, will compile, sort, and average those opinions, presenting them as one view, the will of the people as a whole. 
Similarly, in Senate votes, when a tie needs to be broken, the people cast their vote, and it becomes the deciding factor. Oh, and I'm sorry, I have to correct you, Frank. It's not just adult citizens. It's everyone. Young people are just as American as adults are. Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize for my confusion. Uh, Mr. Senator, your response? I've already said, I think Jimmy is a bright boy. I've met every member of the Flash Pack, and I respect and admire every one of them. I'm proud to say I know them. Jimmy and I get along quite well outside of these debates, but on matters of state, I must say he has a lot to learn. Yes, the Constitution does present itself as a changeable document, but that doesn't mean we should go changing things willy-nilly. America is a representative democracy. The Vice President represents the people of the country, as my running mate, Theo Carter, will represent them. What Jimmy here is proposing is a logistical nightmare. Say Jimmy is elected and the American people become Vice President. What if, gods forbid, he dies? What then? The computerized will of the people is going to hold this country's highest office? Have we learned nothing since the Presitron administration? Um, I'd like to respond to that. Fifteen seconds, Mr. Kovacs. In regards to the possibility of me dying, I, I'm, I'm not, not any time soon at least. The flashback, we met a version of me from the future, 40 years old. So we know I won't die in the next four, or even the next eight years. Meeting him was actually part of what inspired me to run for president. He just, um, he wouldn't tell me if I was going to win. Senator Marsh. Uh, given the recent economic troubles in the African Union, coupled with the rise of the yuan in the global market, what do you think of President Smitty's current Slade Gonzalo policy? I'm sorry, what was that last part? Uh, what do you think of President Smitty's current economic aggression policy? Oh, well, quite simply, I believe that a more lenient tactic is necessary. America is the richest Meanwhile, country on Meanwhile, as Earth. the debate continued... The rest of the Flash Pack was bustling back at Flashpoint, keeping up with the debate on earphones while gathering information on the public's response. Max was hitting the fourth-dimensional blog axie, Molly was tapped into the extranet, and Fertress was monitoring for space transmissions regarding the debate. All of them were feeding any scrap of information they found into Keen's info glasses, where she could read and process all of it, letting them know how their boy was doing on the fly. Jalice, meanwhile, was sulking. This sucks. Ouch, Jimmy. I told you, never use the word rutabaga. Nobody likes it. He just went down three points. Uh, was it me, or did the moderator just mention Slade Gonzalo again? I think you're hearing things. Oh, come on, guys. You know Marsh is right. Not this again. Okay, okay, I know Jimmy is our friend, but really, President? He's a weakling. How can he rule a country? Typically, we think of the president as leading the country, not ruling it. It's a subtle distinction, but an important one. You'd make a good president, Drowris. I see her more as the dictatorial type. Have to do away with all this pesky democracy first. Guys, come on. Jimmy has a real shot at this. We need to be supportive. No one ever gives me support. I'll give you support, Drowris. Fortress! Back at the debate, Jimmy was certainly holding his own. Which is why I think we have to protect the unicorn population. If not for our sake, then for our children's sake. Mr. Kovacs, uh, you first came into the public eye as a member of the adventuring science group, the Flash Pack. The pack has saved the world a number of times, as well as becoming the most successful comic book in the history of the medium. The question is this, how does that translate to politics? And are you, in some ways, using your celebrity to artificially push your way into the political world? Well, gee, I don't think so. I would never force myself on the American public. If they don't think I'd be a good president, well, then I'm counting on them not to elect me. It's entirely up to them. I've told them where I stand, what I see as best for our nation. And if it's not what they want, I respect their views and will gladly stay out of the political field. 
but I think I do know what they want. That's why even without President Smitty's support, I was able to win my party's nomination. I know Smitty would have liked to run for a second term, but I think the party recognized that he really isn't the best man to bring our country forward. As a member of the Flash Pack, I learned to always do what's right. I learned to follow my heart through thick and thin, and know with all the conviction of my soul that doing right is its own reward. As president, I will do no less. Again, you can call me naive if that's what I am, but I think it's been far too long since we had a president who made sure our country was on the up and up above all else. I think I can be that president, if you'll have me. Senator, your reply. Jimmy, I love you, my boy. Your heart is truly in the right place. But yes, you are woefully naive. Being the president, being involved in any part of our nation's government, is not like being an adventurer. It's not black and white. When ancient spirits of evil are threatening to tear out the souls of our delegates in space, sure, it's clear what's right. When the Empress of Alter Earth tries to recruit you to help enslave mankind, yes, the right choice is obvious. When Stragon the Annihilator threatens to evaporate the planet, well, I think we all know he needs to be stopped. Being the president, however, is about tough choices. The type of choices it takes wisdom and a lot of life experience to understand. Being a famous hero isn't enough to make you qualified. Unfortunately, we're drawing to the end of the debate. Um, it looks like we have time for just one more question, which will begin with you, Senator Marsh. In recent years, the political party line had appeared to be drawn even harder and more contrasting than ever before. When President Smitty ran against Von Wicked four years ago, there was a pronounced animosity between Democrats and Republicans, which held through much of Smitty's term. In this race, you and Mr. Kovacs seem to have turned your back on such hard divisions and appear to have gone out of the way to be exceedingly civil to one another. I have to ask the question that's on everyone's mind. Do you both love Slade Gonzalo? Slade Gonzalo? Slade Gonzalo. Pop sensation? Does the song Jam It Up? Gotta jam it up, jam, jam, jam it up. I gotta jam it up, jam, jam, jam it up. Well, I, I can't say I've heard it. But in regards to the issue of political divisiveness, there is really no need for it anymore. Jimmy is a good young lad, and I have nothing against him personally. I simply have my own beliefs, very strong beliefs regarding what needs to happen in America. Once elected, I will lead America into a new era unlike anything their minds can even fathom. Democrat, Republican, this new future will treat all Earthlings with the same hand, blind to such petty judgments as politics. In the eyes of the gods, we are all worth the same. Hero, President, Citizen, no matter. We are all merely mortal, and small when compared to the Almighty. Mr. Kovacs, any thoughts on Slade? Slade? Oh, he's fine. Jam it up, sure. But, but in regards to the larger issue, I am proud to say that I agree with the Senator. Political parties shouldn't be reasons to hate. We both want the same thing. I'm running for president because I think I can make this country a better place. I believe I can help improve the situation of all Americans. And I know that Senator Marsh wants the same thing, to make life better for each and every one of us. If we both have the same goals, why work against each other? Thank you very much, Mr. Kovacs, and thank you both for being here tonight. Don't forget that tomorrow is election day, so go out and cast your vote, whether it be for Marsh Carter, Kovacs America, or for any independent candidate. Thank you all for watching. Until next election, this is Frank Allen saying, Jam it up! Jam, jam, jam it up! As the applause swept over the audience, Jimmy and Senator Marsh met center stage and shook hands. Good luck, young man. Thank you, sir. You too. Soon, Jimmy was ushered into a limousine by Slaughter, both on their way back to campaign headquarters. Back at Flashpoint, they soon received a call asking for an update. So how are we doing? I'm still processing. The blogacy has lit on fire like an effigy of Holorax on Mercury. It's not likely to calm down until after the polls are closed. So far, things are looking pretty close. A lot of people are excited by Jimmy, 
but some are just too scared to really change things. Gosh. We're going to make it, Jimbo. You were great out there tonight. Very presidential. Really? But that Gonzalo thing was seriously odd. I mean, why did- And I told you he was going to bring up Presitron again. He always does, without fail. Sheesh, Republicans make one mistake. At any rate, we have to get going, gang. We've got a lot to do before tomorrow. Jimmy needs his beauty rest, and so do I. Though I need it less. Anyway, ta-ta! Joe, wait! <sighs> Zipped off again. What's ta-ta? <laughs> Look it up, Fuzzball. That's Fuzz Bottom, thank you. And maybe I will. So what do you make of this Gonzalo thing, Dralis? I have no idea, but it could be- Hello, flesh peoples! I am returned! And I brought vodka for all! A celebration, da? Dr. Nictoria Stelloff came bustling through their doors, suitcase and banana crates in tow, finally returned from his visit to his hometown in Russia. The pack was cautious at first, but a little authentic Russian vodka and mercurian lime later, and the latter of them seemed to be holding Jimmy's victory party a day early. Even the most reserved among them, Molly, eventually caught loose. Unfortunately, it did lead to them sleeping off half of Election Day itself. Keen was the first to awake, her metabolism able to burn off alcohol faster than the average human. Dralis awoke a few minutes later. What time is it? Almost one. I, I just got up. <sighs> How is he doing? I haven't checked yet. Let me grab the info glasses. I'm sure he's winning. Probably going to be president. He always gets everything he wants, especially when Max... This is weird. What? The blog obviously isn't talking about the election. They're all talking about Slade Gonzalo. What? So is the extranet. Did he do something amazing? No, everyone just seems to love him for no reason. What could this be? There's only one explanation. Let me check the scanalyzer. Yes, look. The entire planet is being bombarded with massive amounts of radio waves. Go wake up, Max. I think Gonzalo is using subliminal signals on everyone. What exactly is Slay Gonzalo broadcasting to the people of Earth? What is he trying to do? Is there someone trying to rig the election? Will Mars persuade America to play it safe and give him the presidency? Can Jimmy manage to sway enough voters to pull him in office and make a change? Tune in next episode for Something Underhanded. In that episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield, Angela Tymon was Dralis, Devin White was Molly, Tongwen Wong was Keen, Daniel Schwartz was Jimmy Kovacs, Scape White was Fertress, Frank Allen was himself, and Samuel Thomason was Randall Marsh. Thank you, Rory. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you all for listening to that presidential debate. And hopefully everybody got a lot of the political uh, information out of it. If anybody who was undecided uh, hopefully got what they need, because obviously, again, tomorrow's Election Day. We do want to have a bit of analysis on it now. Uh, uh, Jordan, what's your impression? Uh, do you think that uh, there was a clear victor in this debate, or uh, would you say it was more of a tie? Well, I, you know, it's, uh, of course, you know, no, there was no knockout blow in this one. Of course, uh, they were both very civil to one another, as as they always have been throughout the election. Um, Marsh didn't didn't really slam anything onto Kovacs, and Kovacs didn't really slam anything on Marsh. Um, they both expressed their you know their platforms pretty straight out, exactly as we we understood them to begin with. Uh, that being said, you know I, I, I do I think I think that Jimmy really showed that he was while he's got a lot of of peppy ideas. I I think it's clear that he doesn't really know how how Washington works as it stands right now. You know it sounds like he's got all these ideas for 
for for changing things. But you know, you have to, change has to come from within. You can't just you can't just look at a system and say, oh, it just ought to be totally different. So I so I got to say, I think you know, I still think Marsh is the way to go. I I think he got his ideas across very well. He's got a plan uh, in place. He knows he's going to get rid of the partisanship that that has been dividing our country, and uh, that's what we need right now. All right. Uh, what about you, Rory? Did you feel that? Uh, did you also think that Senator Marsh won? Uh, absolutely not. Actually, I believe that uh, that Jimmy won one hundred percent. He got his word out. He he was able to put on put out his message of of the change that he brings to Washington. And you know, you're saying you can't change from from outside. Well, that's why he needs to be installed right on the inside, and that change will be generated from within, from the top, from the president on down. The other thing about it is that I I do feel that Jimmy did come off as very civil and very humble. Uh, you know, saying that you know he agreed with with uh, with Senator Marsh early on in, in his first uh, in his first answer. He said, "Well, it's, you know, I, I, in many ways, I agree with Senator Marsh." But on the other hand, Senator Marsh, uh, while they were both civil, I, I feel that Senator Marsh did come across as condescending. You know, Jimmy is a bright boy, but he but he's only a boy. Um, you know, and what did he say later? He said something about, um, I, I, "I I love you." Uh, didn't he say he loved him? Yes, I love you, my boy. Uh, your heart's in the right place, but yes, you are woefully naive. I mean, I, I do feel that yes, Jimmy is a fifteen-year-old boy, but that doesn't mean he doesn't understand these situations. And I, I do think that voters are going to see Marsh talking down to him, and, and they're going to remember what it was like as a 15-year-old, and they're going to remember that they were talked down to and that they didn't like But aren't they also going to remember that when they were 15, they didn't know a lot? I mean, when I was 15, I, I, I was definitely in no position to run the country. I, I did not know nearly enough. Well, but you're not Jimmy Kovacs. Jimmy Kovacs was a member of the Flashback, and like he said, he's counting on the American people to say no if they don't think he'd be a good president. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the American people are going to recognize the spark of what's special inside of him, and they are going to elect him president. That's what I believe. All right, all right, that's what you think. Uh, but obviously, Jordan disagrees. Yes, completely. Good, good to know. All right, we want to go back down to Boca Raton, Florida, and see what Mr. Scape White thinks of this debate. Scape, were you swayed one way or the other? I mean, Senator Marshall said he never heard Slade Gonzalo. So to me, that sort of implies that at least Jimmy's more with it, and he's in on the Slade Gonzalo action, which is very important to our nation at this time. Um, well, n- again, neither of them mentioned moist food, so I was kind of down about that. Again, I cannot vote, so I am not going to vote for either of them. But that being said, I, I'm not even going to endorse either of them because again, nobody said moist food. If one of you will offer me moist food, I will say pretty much whatever you want me to say. Okay, so but but what do you think of Slade Gonzalo? Do you I mean do you think that Jamadop is going to win uh, like a Grammy or or or, or you know a CMJ award? I mean you know Jamadop is kind of sweeping the nation and. I mean, what do you think of it? It's, it's a fine song. Um, it's one that's like, God jam it up, jam, jam, jam it up. Yeah, 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 jam it up. Jam, yeah, and that's exactly it. And I think Slade Gonzalo is a, a point of this election that has been uh, left aside for too long. Well, I think it's a good song. Uh, I could do a cover of it if you want. Oh, no, 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 no. I think Slade does it best. You know, sing along if you want to, but Slade does it best. All right, well, thank you, Scape, uh, for being our undecided voter and letting us know what you think. Uh, I turn back to uh, Jordan White and Roy Sinjin. I did bring in Slade issue because I, I, I thought it was uh, it had gone too long without anybody asking about it. Just as I did actually ask about the drinking and driving, uh, as you heard. And it turns out, as I as I had suspected, neither of them is in favor of drinking and driving, with Senator Marsh saying uh, drinking and driving should be punished to the full extent of the law.
law and Jimmy Kovacs saying that, again, he, he could not drink or drive, but were he able to do either, he would certainly not do both, expressing instead his like of the vegetable rutabaga, which was a strange policy, but that is what he said. Uh, did anybody have any reaction to that? No, I, I don't like rutabagas, so no, I didn't really have, I, I definitely didn't have a positive reaction to the rutabaga issue, but they both evened out on the drinking and driving, so it didn't really sway me. Uh, agreed, agreed. The fact that neither of them are in favor of it is good, so that's fine. And so what about the slight Gonzalo issue for you both? Uh, would you say that, I mean, like, like I said, no, Jordan, you're a fan of Senator March, but he didn't even know who Slade Gonzalo was. Well, I, you know, I, I, he's an old man. I mean, he's what, like uh, 60? He's got to be 60, right? I think they're about, yeah. But you don't have to be young to jam it up. You know, it says right in the lyrics of the song, anyone, any age, jam it up all the rage. That's what it says in the song. So, you know, it's not just for 15-year-olds. All right. Well, I don't, I don't, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know that it necessarily is a, is a, is a game changer to, to, to use the parlance, um, that he didn't know who Slade Gonzalo was. But, you know, I'm glad that it, it affects you. It does. It does. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have for post-debate analysis tonight. Uh, thank you for listening to this final presidential debate with us. My name is Frank Allen, of course. If you'd like to comment on this show or give us any feedback on this show or, or any previous show, you can write to us at cast in wax at gmail.com. Uh, next week, we won't be having a, a political special again. Uh, next week, we'll be back to a more radio serial type thing. We'll be covering uh, the guard duty issue with the Earth Guard, uh, talking about what's real and what isn't. We'll be covering the last generation being a, a future reality in which uh, uh, there's a totalitarian government. Uh, and we'll be dealing with uh, the way things used to be on Decker and Hayes, of course, uh, Parma Town detectives trying to figure out a crime, as well as uh, some, some historical facts from Mr. Rory Sinjin and hopefully an interview uh, by yours truly. So hopefully everybody will be back for that. That'll be October 20th on Waxwork.com. I'd like to thank my guests. I'd like to thank Escape down in uh, Boca Raton, Florida. I'd like to thank Jordan D. White here for being in the studio and Rory Sinjin. It's my pleasure. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'd like to thank you for listening and thank both of the candidates for agreeing to the debate. Uh, Don't forget to vote on Election Day. It is very important uh, because, you know, you could change uh, the country, right? Uh, Be it for the Democrats or the Republicans. So enjoy your freedom. Thank you very much and uh, good night.